If you have your Bibles this morning, open them up to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. If you're using a Bible under the seat in front of you, you'll find that on page 1,351. Book of Philippians chapter 4. Eventually, we will get back to our study in the life of Moses. But this morning, we need this passage. I need this passage. This is a passage that's been a go-to for me over the years. It's such good medicine for the soul. Father, we ask your blessing upon the teaching of your word. We thank you for, Lord, all the counsel you give us. Lord, I thank you for the promise of supernatural peace. Lord, you said that you've given us a peace that the world can't even understand. You've told us not to let our hearts be troubled, not to be afraid. So I pray for peace in the hearts of your people. And I pray this in Jesus' name right now. Amen. I really thought about this passage because I really do believe that the world is on fire right now. I mean, everywhere you look, there is total chaos. We feel it internationally with the war that's taking place in Israel. We feel it nationally with another mass shooting in Maine a couple of nights ago. I think we feel it locally. Is it just me or are the Drivers in El Paso getting crazier and crazier. It just feels to me like everyone's on edge. You know, we live right up the street from a fire station, and I've never heard more sirens in the last couple weeks, the last month. Just people are stressed out. People are struggling. Anxiety levels are extremely high right now. Many people... Are, are sort of drowning in fear. So let's take a breath this morning. Let's take time and look at Jesus and understand that he can give us supernatural peace. If we follow these commands in this passage, look at verse 4. Let's read through our text. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord How long? How many times? Always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. 
the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. I find five commands to us as Christians to obey, to promote our experience of supernatural peace in a tough world. And the first command is right there in verse 4. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. This is an imperative in the Greek. This is an order from your commander. You are commanded to rejoice. And the tense of this Greek word implies that it's a continuous activity. The command is you keep rejoicing. Choose to keep rejoicing. Now that is only possible for us if we're rejoicing in the Lord. Because the Lord's constant, amen? He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He's the rock of your salvation. So you can constantly rejoice when you're rejoicing in the Lord. You can't always rejoice in life circumstances, can you? They're all over the place. Can you always rejoice in your bank account? Can you always rejoice in the stock market? Can you always rejoice in your health? Can you always rejoice in sunny days? Can you always rejoice in relationships? No, if your rejoicing was dependent upon your circumstances, you'd be all over the map. You'd be up and down. So that's why Paul commands us to rejoice in the Lord. You can always rejoice in your salvation. Christian. You're born again. You've been saved. That never changes. You can rejoice in your relationship with Christ. You can rejoice in his presence in your life. Joy is found in Jesus. True joy. And rejoice in him regularly. No matter what is going on in your life. Paul is practicing or was practicing what he's preaching here when he writes it. Philippians is one of those prison epistles. Please understand, Paul was in a dungeon cell when he wrote this letter. He was experiencing persecution. He'd been arrested and locked up for his faith. He was experiencing all kinds of hardships. We even find out in this letter that he was having issues with other quote-unquote Christian leaders. There were Christian leaders out there mocking Paul because he was in prison. Some were even seeking to take advantage of Paul while he was in prison. He was going through all sorts of issues. And yet 17 times in this letter he uses the word joy or rejoice. In fact... The super theme of Philippians is radical joy. Paul chose to rejoice. 
even in the darkest times. And the only way you can do that is by rejoicing in the Lord. So you make that choice every day. Choose to rejoice in Jesus. That will bring peace to your life. Look at the second command in verse 5. Paul says, let your gentleness be known to all men. Be gentle with all people. You want peace in your life? Have a gentle spirit with everyone. Now that includes your immediate family, your spouse, your children, your parents, your brother, your sister. It would include your neighbors. It would include your co-workers, your boss, your employees, the strangers that you meet on the street. You're to be gentle with everyone. Now, this word for gentle, epikia in Greek, it's one of those Greek words that's really, really hard to translate into English. So the New King James Version says, let your gentleness be known to all men. Another translation would say, let your patience be known to all men. Here's another one. Let your softness be known to all men. Let your modesty be known to all men. Let your forbearance be known to all men. So there's different angles to look at this word. And I would think of the first one of this softness. Be soft with all people. In other words, be courteous. Be respectful. Be polite. With all people. I'll tell you, that spirit of gentleness will bring peace in your relationships. Don't be intimidating with people. Don't be heavy-handed. Don't be that person who's ordering people around. Be respectful. Reminds me of what it says in Proverbs 15. A soft answer turns away what? Wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. So there's this real benefit, my brother and sister in Christ, to just simply being good-mannered with all the people in your life. There's another angle to this word. It has the idea of surrendering or yielding. The idea is not being that person that runs around my way or the highway. You'll do what I'll do, what I tell you to do. It's this idea of being reasonable. In fact, one of my favorite translations of this word is sweet reasonableness. Paul is saying, let your sweet reasonableness be known to all the people in your life. I love that. Another commentator translates this verse, let all the world know that you will meet a man halfway. Now there are convictions that we have as Christians. There are things that we absolutely know to be true. 
and we should stand for with no compromise. But you should also do that in a reasonable way, with tact, with gentleness. That will bring peace to your life. And then there's this third angle for the word, this idea of of being forbearing, the idea of being non-retaliatory, not quick to respond to an offense against you. It's a word that means being satisfied with less than one's due. The idea of somebody hurts your feelings, if somebody offends you, put up with it. Let it go. In fact, one of my favorite Proverbs, Proverbs 19, verse 11, says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory, the glory of a man, is to overlook a transgression. Now that's incredible. Transgression's a heavy word. It's a deep wound. It's where someone has offended you. The book of Proverbs says your glory would be to overlook it. Let it go. Don't be that person that holds grudges. I'll never forget what that person said to me 10 years ago. Don't be that person. You won't have any peace in your life. None. You know, we live in a hypersensitive society, don't we, right now? It's ridiculous what everybody stands up for. Some of the stuff is so petty. And so many people get offended for just the slightest reasons. Be bigger than that. Let your gentleness, your patience, your forbearance, your softness, Paul says, let that be known to all people in your life. I love that. Look at the end of verse 5. Paul says, the Lord is at hand. So this would be a third uh, command. I I would put it this way. Paul Paul saying, remember that the Lord is at hand. So rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be known to all. And always remember that the Lord is at hand. Now that can mean a couple of things. First, this could be speaking of his actual presence with us all the time. Do you know Jesus is with you all the time? You know that when you leave church, Jesus isn't left behind in the sanctuary and there you go. Jesus said, I will never, ever leave you. Or forsake you. I'll never abandon you. Now you can take heart in that. Because no matter what you face. Jesus is at hand. He's right there with you. There isn't one single day. That you ever face alone. There isn't one moment. My brother and sister in Christ. That you will ever face alone. There's not one obstacle that you'll ever meet in life that you face alone. Jesus is with you 
let that, let that bring you peace in any and every situation. There's another way to think of this, though. Paul could be speaking about the second coming of Jesus, the rapture of Jesus. This, this phrase could be Paul saying, remember always the Lord is at hand. In other words, he could show up at any time. And you remember that. And let that remind you, be reminded daily of the absolute brevity of life. In an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, Christ could come and that's it for this life. No matter what you're facing, understand, even if it's difficult... In comparison to eternity, it really is nothing. Jesus could come at any time, and what matters most is that we're ready for him. One of my favorite verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Whatever you can face. Now, I'm not saying it's, it's easy. There are hard things that we face. But compared to the weight of the glory that you will have in heaven. Every sorrow here is light. So you remember that. Always remember the Lord is at hand. Well, look at the fourth principle, the fourth command, verse 6. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Now that again is a direct command. It's imperative. Paul says, do not be anxious for anything. That's the way you could paraphrase. I command you, don't be anxious about anything. Wow. Now it's very important that we understand this word, Anxious, it's the Greek word merimnao. And in the very root of this word, it simply means to care. To care about something. To be concerned about something. To care for something. And so this is a very positive word in many aspects. In fact, just look... Look over, just turn the page and look at chapter 2. And look at verse 19. Paul writing to the Philippians says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. That is the same word translated anxiety in this other verse. And there it's used in a good sense. It is important to care. Paul said, I'm going to send Timothy and he's going to care for your state as a church. It is important to care about things. There are things to care about. We do have responsibilities. This verse is not the Lord saying, hey, don't care about anything. Do whatever. And, and it's certainly not meant to promote laziness. In fact, if you're experiencing a lot of stress, 
and chaos in your life because you're this carefree, lazy person? You better get a grip. You should care more. We are to care. We are to be responsible. We are to care about things that are happening in this world. We are to be concerned. But it becomes a bad thing, a negative word, when you become overly concerned. When despite responsible behavior, you worry, 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 worry compulsively over all these different things in your life. That is not good. It's the worry, worry, worry. And Jesus told us that there's a lot of different things that we tend to worry about. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said to us, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about what your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Don't worry about all the necessities of life. I mean, if you're being responsible, don't worry. God said you can trust him with that. Matthew 6, he says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to a statue? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So all these things that we worry, worry, worry about. And some of it can be so trivial for us as Americans. Do not be anxious. Instead, and here's the command, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. My brother and sister in Christ, you have a father who is there for you always, 24-7. He's never busy. And here you are commanded to pray. Nothing's too small. Bring before him all of your requests. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says, Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. I love the Phillips translation of that. You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him. For you are his personal concern. I love that. Pray about everything. You're starting to worry about something? Pray about it. Now it says here that we should pray specifically. Supplication is a word that speaks of you know, specific requests. Make your request known to the Lord. Put it all out there. Whatever's on your heart. We should always pray thankfully. He says pray with thanksgiving. Okay, so my brother and sister in Christ, this would also get back to you choosing to rejoice in the Lord. There are so many things that we can always thank God for. 
and we should be thanking God for. When you pray, you come with an attitude of thanksgiving. Don't be the whiner. Don't be the chronic complainer. Don't be like the folks in the wilderness as we've been studying in the life of Moses. Always complaining, murmuring, murmur, murmur, murmur. You be that person who is filled with thanksgiving day by day by day. And then so importantly, pray personally. Paul wrote this letter to individual Christians. This is a command for all of us as Christians. You pray. You bring all of your worries to the Lord. We are asked to pray for people regularly around here, our pastors and our elders, and it is an absolute delight to do so. And we will pray for you. And we know that we need support from groups and from our brothers and sisters in Christ. We also encourage, if you have a prayer request, that you can write that down. You put it on a little prayer request form, put it in the agape box. And our staff prays, our elders pray for every prayer request. And that's good and that's awesome. But nothing, listen, nothing will replace you praying. Nothing. Because when you pray, that connection is made between you and the Lord. And something wonderful happens. Paul says in verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You know, when you give, when you get on your knees, when you pour it all out, when you let it all go, when you bring it all before the Lord by yourself, there is this supernatural peace that you will experience. You will not even be able to explain it to others. It says it's beyond understanding. But the Lord will give you peace. And I have found that to be so many, so true in, in my life. There's been times where it, this, a week has just gotten up into me and, and I'm worried and I got all these things happening. And, and there's been times where I've faced things that I didn't know how to deal with. But I'll tell you what, man. You get on your face before God. And he will give you peace. He will meet you there. You want peace? Pray about everything. Give it all to the Lord. And then a fifth commandment, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. Now, that's the command right there. You are commanded to meditate on good things. You are commanded to think and dwell on good things. Now, some people say, you know, I really can't. Uh, I can't control what I think about. 
I just think. Thoughts come into my mind and I start to think. And I've heard people say that. And I would say to you, you're wrong. You can't control what you think about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul speaks about us bringing every thought, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. You can take every thought and you can control it. You can choose to meditate on certain things. Meditate, by the way, is a very strong word. It's a serious word. It's logizomai. We get our English word logic. This is a mathematical term. This is an accounting term. This is brain power. Think back to in school when you had to do a, a, a math problem. You, you got to think through it. That's the same word. So the idea is be calculating, be deliberate, choose to think on good things. And that will promote peace in your life. I mean, there's a whole list here. Brethren, whatever things are true, don't fill your minds with garbage. Don't fill your minds with falsehood. You meditate on those things that are true, certainly what you find in God's word. Don't fill your mind with human philosophy. This word true also has the idea of of something that's real, not fantasy. Live in the real world. Fill your mind with things that are real, not fantasy. It says, whatever things are noble, that's a wonderful word. It's a word that speaks of things that have weight to them, things that have substance to them. That is, you only have so much time in the day to, to read about things and think about things. Tackle those things that have weight Don't spend all day watching soap operas, reading gossip columns. Fill your mind with weighty things. And and there's a lot of entertainment out there that's very weighty, that's very good. Things that will make you think. It says, finally, whatever things are just, whatever things are righteous. Fill your mind with righteous things. The opposite of this would be wickedness. Don't fill your mind with wicked things. And you know how wicked some entertainment has gotten. You know, it seems like every new series is trying to be darker than the previous series. And there's this fascination with violence and drug abuse and darkness and dismay. Put that in your mind. Put righteous things in your mind. Whatever things are pure. Hognas, holy, clean. That word is usually used in a sexual context. Don't fill your mind with illicit sexual images and thoughts and thinking. Stay away from that. Whatever things are lovely, I love this word, prophileo, fill your mind with things that call forth love. 
that inspire love. In other words, things that are beautiful. Things that are inspirational. I love that. Now, I've told you this story before, but I'll never forget my grandparents. When they were alive, I was a little kid, but they used to talk about how they'd go to the movies as as teenagers. And it was like, I don't know, five cents for a double feature. All the popcorn and lunch, you know, that you could have, five cents. And they would tell us that when they would leave a movie, they'd walk down the streets hand in hand singing. Because the entertainment was wholesome. It was lovely. It was inspired. When's the last time you left a movie singing? <laughs> Yay, the adventure's won, right? No, no. I mean, there's so many different gross movies out there. It almost seems like it's the opposite. Get more violent. Pick the things that inspire love. Fill your mind with beauty. With those things that are lovely. Whatever things are of good report. Listen to good reports. Listen to good news about people. Why all the garbage? If there's any virtue, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, you choose daily to meditate on those things. And you know what? Your life will be a whole lot more peaceful. You'll be a lot more solid. Emerson said, a man is what he thinks about all day long. What do you think about all day long? Another philosopher said, a man's life is what his thoughts make of it. In the book of Proverbs, it says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is You are the battle's won right here. What are you putting in there? Software programmers used to have that term gigo, garbage in, garbage out. If you put garbage code into the computer, you know what comes out of the computer? Garbage out. And same thing, if you put garbage into this computer, guess what's coming out? Garbage out. Be so careful. Someone said, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. What starts out as a simple thought may ultimately determine our destiny, even your eternal destiny. So very, very good things to put into practice daily. Things to remember as a Christian. Every day, choose that you're going to rejoice in the Lord. And choose to be gentle with all people. Yes, everyone, even that person that cut you off. Choose to be gentle. And of course, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can we be gentle? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Remember always the Lord is at hand. He's with you.
Don't be anxious about anything. Pray about everything. And meditate on those good things. It says at the end of verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. So if we are those peaceful people, boy, we're going to stand out in today's culture. I mean, you want to be a good witness for Jesus Christ in today's culture? Just be peaceful. Walk around with a confidence in the Lord and a peace in your life, in your heart. People will notice. They'll say, hey, what's up with you? If you are here this morning and you're not experiencing that peace, you have to meet the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the one who gives you that supernatural peace. The Bible says that he gave his life for us at the cross. He took our sins upon himself and he rose again that third day so that we could be forgiven and we'd be good members of the family of God. You can't experience the peace of God until you've found peace with God. And you find peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So as we close, let's bow our heads. Let's close our heart, eyes. Lord, for those who have just been experiencing quite a bit of of anxiety right now. Even many of us who belong to you, we have these difficult seasons. We have fears. We have issues that we're dealing with. Lord, minister to us this morning your amazing supernatural peace. We're so grateful for salvation. We're so grateful for the hope of heaven. We're so grateful to know you, that our eyes have been opened to you. We're grateful that you have promised to take care of us. And Lord, in this day and age where there's so many uh, angry people and rude people, I pray that we'd be those gentle people. Compassionate, patient, merciful, respectful, forgiving, patient people. Lord, I pray that we'd remember your presence with us daily. And 
help us to take capture, take captive every thought. And awaken us in our prayer lives. Now if you're here this morning, heads bowed, eyes closed, and you've never opened your heart to Jesus Christ, you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, you're not sure if all your sins have been forgiven. You come, you're worried, you're, you're, you're anxious about life and what all the fires that are raging. You can find absolute peace. Peace now and forever. Through faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins and rose again that third day. You can find salvation. If you have not yet placed your faith and trust in him, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. It's a a simple prayer. It's a cry of your heart. It's admitting that you're a sinner and that you need to be absolutely forgiven. Become brand new. Put your faith in Jesus who died for you. If that's you, cry out to the Lord even right now in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I need you. I want you. Wash away all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my Prince of Peace. Fill my heart with your peace. Bring peace to every, all these situations in my life that need it. Be my Lord, be my Savior, take over. In Jesus' name.